welcome to Como Explained. It's a brand new podcast from the KBIA newsroom. We look at the issues that affect Colombia and break them down for you. I'm Scott Pham, digital content director here at KBIA, and I'm here with Ryan Femuliner. Hi. Hi. You you jumped at that time before I yeah, made you say hi. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm happy to introduce myself yeah. this time. <laughs> Last time I had to. I'm here. Last time I had to make you do that. So this is um, episode two. Uh, today we're talking about C2 zoning. It is uh, the most very most boring topic that we could have oh, chosen. I, I'm going, man, I have to talk about this. <laughs> <It's so boring. laughs> but I think it's actually kind of great that we're doing this because because um, maybe C2 zoning rings some bells in your head and maybe you have some vague sense that it's important, but you have no idea what it is. And um, hopefully we can break that down. Yeah. And I'm joking. I'm not actually dreading talking about this again because it's actually really important. It has a lot to do with what's going on in the city. Yeah, so so yeah, let's get into it. It's super important. Yeah, uh, yeah. convince me that it's super important, Ryan Familiar. All right, so zoning in general, right? That's one of twenty three different zoning classifications that are used in the city, and C two is central business zoning. Okay, so that's mainly what's used downtown. Actually, from the proportion of what is zoned in the city, it's actually a pretty small portion. It's only like one hundred forty four acres out of more than forty thousand acres in the city is zone C2. Right. And it's and part of why it's important is because not just because of how much of it is out there, but, but where it is. It's right. some of the most, arguably the most important parts of town. Yeah, it's downtown. It, that's Everyone is worried about downtown, right? And it's the, uh, it's the heart of the city. Um, and it's where all this development is really happening right now. Obviously, there's development happening all around town. But um, it's these big developments that are happening downtown that some people are happy about, some people aren't. Um, a lot of them are involving C2 zoned structures. Right. And prior to 1988, all of those C2 zoned um, buildings were commercially dis- were solely commercial buildings. Right, right. And then in 1988, a lot of – Barbara Hoppe was mentioning this when we were on Intersection the other day that it's going to be – they made that change because you it's still like this downtown at a number of properties. Those business – many of those businesses on their second and third floors wanted to have – residential units there to let people live basically in lofts above those downtown. And we have a lot of those, a lot of those on Broadway. Yeah, those still exist. And so that that was really what that was envisioning, that according to Barbara Hoppe, that the, the vision there was allowing these existing buildings to take on residents without it being against the law or against ordinance, but also that a, a two or three story building with, uh, you know, commercial use at the bottom and some residential at the top isn't, it isn't, different than the view of what many people would like downtown to look like. Mm-hmm. See, and what happened there in 1988 was a pretty crucial thing because what it did was it, it, it didn't make a new zoning. It kind, of, it kind of tacked on some new rights to this existing zoning. Right. I mean, you really could call it a loophole if you wanted to. It's, it, it, because we've got R3 and R4 zoning that are medium density and high density multifamily zoning districts. So that would be a big apartment building. Yeah, um, but, but under C two now, you can build a big apartment building with no businesses in it, and you can go as high as you want, or you can build a little quickie mart. Yeah, well, usually, yeah, exactly, or or something in between. A lot, most of the time, people are because it is commercial. Um, they are a lot of times proposing uh, mix, mixed use, right? Some uh, some units. Some commercial units yeah, on the and, ground and, floor. And mixed use is very popular. Everybody likes mixed use for downtown. Seems like it. It seems like everyone does. But then there's also a debate there. I mean, not debate, but how do you make sure that those are filled? It's kind of a chicken and egg thing, which a lot of this is really when you get down to it. But um, how can you see that those are those units are able to get filled by someone, a, a retail unit or whatever, uh, when you don't really have any have a need or 
a demand for that yet, I guess. Right. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that loophole, because the, the yeah. interesting thing is that while uh, the in 1988, when they kind of added the residential ability, uh, the, the ability to add residences to existing C2 zone buildings, um, it didn't. It allowed for mixed use, but it also allowed for a lot of the really different things we've been getting downtown, like those huge Brookside developments that I think were a lot higher than anybody expected that anybody would build downtown, and they house so many more people. Right, yeah, because C2, again, all the different sets of rules. This one, basically, there are very few rules in C2 zoning. It, uh, you know, Barbara Hoppe called it the wild, wild west, the Z2 zoning, because you can basically do almost whatever you want. Um, there's no restrictions on height on at all. There's no restrictions on um, or, or no requirements on parking. Which right. that was that's a big issue downtown. That's a big deal because in other kinds of residential um, zoning, if you want to build a residence there, you need to prove somehow that you have adequate parking. Right, and, and because infrastructure-wise, that's going to be a big deal, especially in an existing community like downtown where you've got only so much infrastructure to handle the traffic that's coming through. There's no you can't just widen a road or something like that downtown because these there's already units everywhere. So yeah, there, there's. There are reasons for that, but there's no, but there's really none. I mean, obviously, a a developer is going to want to think about that because they want to make sure that their clients are happy, right, uh, and are able to do what they want to do with their with their cars and their property. But uh, beyond that, there's no legal requirement at the moment that you would have to think about for infrastructure reasons for a city. Yeah, now it's a weird thing that's happening because um, parking has always been a big problem downtown, or at least it has since I've been here. But um, the and on intersection, the, the the show you did yesterday, they were talking about how um, how uh, even though these buildings didn't um, uh, didn't provide for parking, there actually is parking available, but it's just not meant for that kind of use, right? There's all these parking structures out there, and they were really kind of intended for people to kind of you know come in and go hit the bars or the restaurants and then leave. But now you got cars that are sitting there 24-7. Right, yeah. And they talked a little bit about satellite parking, too, and how that might work. And and uh, what, what one of our guests said was that, you know, you got to think about it. When we think of satellite parking, we think about, you know, Reactor Field. Or we think about GarageZilla, as many people call it downtown, the big garage. On Fifth uh, and Walnut. On Fifth and Walnut. But, but think more about something two or three miles away where you're going to park at a, almost like a commuter lot and take a bus into downtown and you're not even using you're not using your car at all unless you need it for a weekend or something like that. Right. No, and, there, and there's no infrastructure for that at the moment really. Yeah, and that really gets at the heart of the issue here, right? That uh that it's the, this zone here is about what you want downtown to look like. And a lot of people in the city government and, and a lot of other people too, I think they want downtown to be the kind of place you visit, the kind of place where some people live, but most people do not. The kind of place where students, for the most part, don't live. Uh, they they want them to live on campus or somewhere else where they where they come in via public transportation. And so downtown becomes more of a recreational kind of space. And what we have right now is a situation where downtown is a is a residence, and it's kind of becoming primarily a residence when we're looking at these gigantic apartment buildings that are coming in. And, and mainly for students. And mainly for students. And C2 is at the center of that because it allows for the kind of downtown that is a recreation and it allows for a downtown that is a residence. Right, right. And, I mean, yeah, again, we hit on it there that it's it's tough to, it's tough to quantify what exactly the city wants, right, because lots of people want different things. But uh, But the thing is that the market drives a lot of this, right? And these developers see a huge – because students would love to have downtown be all students and have it be a pure college town. And I think 
Um, you know, I think mo- people that live townies, if you will, people live in Columbia. You can say townies. Um, is it okay to say townies? It's okay. To they say- exist, right? Are you a townie? Yeah, I, yeah, I am a townie. I'm, yeah. I've I've definitely in, uh, grown to appreciate that tag on myself. Really? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really going to admit it. But. Yeah. No. I, it took me about about two months to realize that I'm a townie <laughs> when the students left and I was out <laughs> at, 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 on top of. Uh, Heidelberg, and I went, this is so nice. The students are gone. I went, oh, there I am. I'm a town. Towny life. Yes. But, um, but no, so people want a, a healthy mix, though, right? I think that's really what – I think a lot of people agree on that. Yeah. But uh, at the moment, you've got these developers that, with good reason, with uh, huge enrollment bumps, see a demand. And there is a demand. And there's a lot – and you've got a lot of students that will uh, have – they have a lot of money they can spend on nice housing downtown – and uh, and you know want to be walkable to the bar scene, but also to campus. Um, so that's one of the things that makes this kind of delicate, but yeah, also student urgent. housing is just it's just very lucrative and it's very um, it's it's just very seductive, right? If you're uh, if you're a developer, that in some ways it's pretty easy because you because you can have a very good idea of what the demand is like. You can look at the enrollment and how it's growing. You can look at the kinds of buildings the university is building for housing, which it appears to be. Virtually nothing. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of they're in a in a way they're letting the private market come in and fill that need. Yeah, well, there's just there's not a lot of space left out. Somebody, no, there isn't. Who was where were our where was the city council uh, sixty years ago? They would have said, let's buy up more of town. <laughs> yeah, or I guess not city council board of curators buy up more of town so that you've got a little bit more room for dorms. I, I think there's just a huge amount of growth. And one thing that's attractive about Columbia is the fact that the city and the university are so intermingled. I think a lot of people like that as a fact of a college town, but it also limits what you can do right? Yeah. when you get down to it. And so we've only got certain limited space, and um, I think that's part of what makes this such a such a, a compelling conversation for a lot of people in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's part of what generates a lot of vitriol too. You know, it's sometimes it feel, feels so crazy to hear people freaking out about zoning, yeah. right? But people can take it. People can take it a lot of different directions. Something you hear a lot is, you know, the developers are saying there's student demand for this, and that's very natural. They're they only naturally want to live close to where they recreate and work and and go to school. And then the market obviously is showing that it's very profitable. And you know, you want to encourage business. You want to encourage new business in in Columbia for it to grow. And then you have the city coming in saying, um, no, we have a different idea of what uh, downtown should look like. And that, that's got to be very frustrating for our developer to say that the only thing standing between me and success is your ideas. Right, right. Well, I think developers too, we, we've had developers on both of the intersection shows about this. We talked about the Niedermeyer building, which was one of those C2. It kind of helped bring that C2 zoning into the public consciousness. Yeah. was the Niedermeyer building, that historic building that was almost torn down, wasn't, um, but it was C- zone T- C2. Yeah, it was, we it was a huge high-rise 14-unit, story unit uh, student housing was what it was mm-hmm. probably going to be. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Niedermeyer it, it itself is, um, is kind of a – is a funny building because it is primarily a residence, but it's and I don't think it ever really kind of made a um, caught a lot of attention to sit by city planners because it's very small, it's very modest. Mm-hmm. Even after the show yesterday, you know, John Ott and, and and some of the other people at the table were just saying like I didn't really even know that that was the history behind that building before the Niedermeyer thing, before this whole uh, hub, hubbub occurred in January. Yeah. I didn't really realize it was kind of just sitting there under the radar. You know, but yeah, like you mentioned, it, it was mainly residential, but it fit into the C two because much of downtown is zone C two, and uh, and the units around it are also C two. So, 
I think what we got from both the shows is the developers just want to know. They just want to know, not just today, but they want to know six months, a year from now. Because a lot of their projects take 12 months, a couple years before they even start building. And so these developers, we got this from Craig Van Matry, a lawyer who represents a lot of developers in town, and from a guy uh, from Doug Wheeler uh, from the Planning and Zoning Commission that was on yesterday. They're both saying the main thing that these developers need is stability, mm-hmm. and that's the thing they, they don't really have at the moment. And they're worried about – Craig Grandmitri was worried about a chilling effect on development because these guys say, I'm not going to invest all this money and all this time in something when you might change the equation six months from now. You know, and then all of a sudden I've got to redo all my work or just get out of this thing. Okay, and we're going gonna to take a quick break here. I'm going to remind people that this is our second podcast and that our last one, we think it's still pretty relevant. It's about the high school dropout rate. And in it, we talk about how Columbia matches up with the rest of the state and country. We break down where the problem areas are in Columbia and for high school students here and look into why the dropout rate matters to us. That hasn't changed much in the last week. No, it hasn't changed much in the last week. And we think it's still pretty relevant. These, these kids are going to be graduating real soon in this, uh, this May or June. Um, some of them, um, fortunately, will not be. Um, it was our very first podcast, and I think it turned out pretty all right. Yeah, I, I think so. I was yeah. happy with it. Yeah, so if you loosen up a little bit, but aside from that, great. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're a subscriber to this podcast, it's very easy to find on iTunes. You find it on the website, kbia.org. So, Ryan, we're in this situation now where there's this conflicting view of what downtown Columbia could or should look like. The government wants downtown to look and act a certain way, and uh, clearly that's not happening right now, and, and developers are very concerned about what will happen. So, um, so what's going to happen? <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, one thing that's tough is that we don't really – we don't really know exactly how the city council feels about that. We can, we can kind of, based on an individual basis, we can kind of right. guess how some people would feel about some of this stuff. But ultimately, a lot of this hasn't come up for a vote yet. Um, it doesn't come up that often uh, at city council level, really. A lot, of it, a lot of this stuff goes on in the planning, zoning, and they all work together on, on what's going to change. So mm-hmm. that's my cop-out, is that I don't really know. Uh, yeah, I mean, part but, of the problem, too, is yeah. that it's a city council issue, ultimately. They have to approve how these things go down. Mm-hmm. And um, when we're talking about what the city wants, what the government wants, we're mainly talking about conversations you've had, and I've had a little bit with uh, one or two city council members. Right, right. I mean, they they've, they have started a process, if you will. Um, you know, we had a, a recent city council meeting. We had uh, a number of different groups present different ideas for what they think should happen with, with different restrictions, different zoning changes, things like that, to try to make downtown fit into what they think it should look like, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of those involve talking about height restrictions or talking about, uh, you know, one of the things in C2 is that you can build all the way to the edge of the side, to the sidewalk. There's no, there's no restrictions on, on you know, uh, where you can build out to. Right, and that's fine for a business, but it's a little weird for a residence. Right, right. And there's just a lot of concerns about a walkable, walkable downtown, which is something basically every consultant report has ever mentioned is trying to make downtown very walkable, especially in key areas. And just a bunch of other uh, – there were a few other recommendations as well. Of course, the developers said let's just keep things like they are. Um, but yeah. – or, you know, making changes is going to be tough. But ultimately, I think also, you know, as I started – I was talking about earlier, there's just a sense of urgency that if, we're, if changes are going to be made, it probably needs to happen sooner than later because for, development, for developers' sake, they want to know what's going on. They don't want to just be caught up in, in limbo for – 
you know, two years or whatever until we figure out what we want to do. So that it's tough. You want, you want to put good thought into what goes on. But I, we don't want, I don't want my city leaders to make decisions in a, in a rush. No. But I also don't want them – I don't want I, – I don't really care. But, but developers don't want them to have – don't want them to take two years because it's going to make their lives very, very stressful. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the things the city has done to kind of show what it wants, right? It, it's produced a few reports – that's something the cities do. They produce reports yeah. on, on what they think the future might look like. Um, in 2006, there was this Asaki report. Um, that's quoted a lot of times. What is that? Yeah, sure. Um, so the Sasaki, I have, I have a cheat sheet here with a few things that they recommended. So that's one of the – there's another consultant report, the Charette report we'll talk about in a bit. But the Sasaki report um, – they wanted to encourage mixed-use development, which we talked about. Almost everybody seems to support. Uh, but they also said at a minimum three- to five-story density, which, you know, that's minimum, so maybe even higher than that. So, wow. and so we, that's pretty – that's actually probably higher on average than we have now. Yeah, probably uh, on average for sure. So they're and, looking at a denser city than we right. have now. This is also a few years ago. So there has been some development since then, but not always mixed-use, right? As we mentioned, some of those the Brookside-type developments aren't, don't ha- necessarily have re- retail on the ground floor. Um, parking was something they, they they develop a network of safe and convenient parking garages to reduce unnecessary automobile usage. That's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Satellite lots seemed like that would be obvious. Mm-hmm. When, what we got instead were a few big lots around town that right seemed in the middle to, of it. Yeah, that seemed to, well, that seemed to lend themselves to the activity you're saying, like coming in for a night out downtown and yeah. then taking off, not having some not storing your car there and not using it all week. Instead, walking or biking around town. Yeah, and uh, a few other things, but. Um, again, making walkability, green space, that kind of stuff, all that stuff that every consultant's ever going to say at any city they go to. Yeah. So, I mean, th- these reports that the city puts out, it, they're really um, reports that they commission uh, via consultants to come and give their opinion uh, on what the city should look like. And the funny thing is about, about them is that the city keeps um, keeps making these and they keep updating them, but they really um, – like what's what is the deal with these reports? They have no force <laughs> of law. They don't seem to lead to any kind of action or or policy change. Why do we make these reports? Well, yeah, I mean, I mentioned the Charette one too, which had a lot of other similar recommendations. Yeah, so four but, years later, but, they hire another firm, Charette, to to make yeah. a very similar report. Yeah, and it's it's pretty similar. I mean, it has more. Both of these had some specific things too. One of them highlighted that lot, that old Chipotle parking lot, that's now going to be a housing development downtown. They said, "Why the heck are you using this?" As this is a prime space. Why is this a crummy little parking lot? Which right. you, I think it was before you were here, but that lot was terrible. It yeah, no, I, I moved here two years ago, and, and uh, I, they were building on it as I moved here. Yeah, it, it was one. It was like not only a, a terrible use of space, it was the worst parking lot I'd ever seen. So yeah, why, why are you? So there were some re- specific recommendations too, but then there's these broader scale things. But yeah, the Charette report, you know, also is putting in these rent, is saying they're going to have rental units, but they're saying target young adults too. They're saying have that healthy mix. You know that we're talking about not just students having having a mix. I think I, I, it would be remiss for anybody to say we're not going to have students downtown because obviously students are there's you can't deny that students are a big part of this community. Right. But what about the basis. townies? But what about the townies? Right. Well, <laughs> okay. So the other thing about these all these plans, these plans, we got the Columbia Visioning Plan, right? Like that's, said, that's a living report that's, that's happening right now. It's a living report. It's something that's been going on since 2010. Um, it's a 133-page document right now. Um, not until page 96 do you get the 35 goals and objectives on page 96. So basically it's this incredibly broad, what do we want to do about everything as a city? But it does address a lot of specific 
issues as well, right? But it, basically, it's not for lack of feedback, right? The city is gathering information from everyone that wants to talk. And in Columbia, there are a lot of engaged people who want to talk about these issues. Yeah. Um, but it's a living document. And so th- so this information is out there, what the city likes and, wh- and the history of what happens in the town is out there. But what isn't really happening at the moment or the process is just starting is some action to change ordinances or or uh, make structural changes to laws or ordinances that you need to to try to form this action instead of letting things just happen. Right. So, yeah, when we're thinking about what the city is going to do, it's kind of natural to go to these reports because this kind of shows their, their thought process and it shows the information or research they're working with. But um, when we're trying to figure out if they're going to do something, like, well, we've got a document here, which is really... It's like theory. It's like the thing that you do before policy, and it's not done yet. So, you know, if you're wondering if anything's going to happen yet, well, they got to finish this report first, right? And they've <laughs> been mean, doing it for three and a half years. Yeah, maybe, right? I mean, I work in journalism. There's always more information out there. Your stories, there's always more to it. But at some point, you have to cut, cut, just cut it off and say, okay, I've got to figure something out now. I've got to put something together got to put a story out there. I've got to make a change or I've got to decide what I want to do with my town now that I know a really good amount about what I need to know. Right. And for all the foot dragging that we're seeing um, in your conversations with government, they seem to also realize that there is an urgency. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, again, Doug Wheeler with planning and zoning, basically, which is he was saying the sentiments I was talking about earlier that, you know, we need to take our time and be smart. But developers need to know we need to make we need to move move this along quick he said he was going to have some recommendations may june um so yeah i i don't think i think everybody realizes that all of a sudden i mean niedermeyer kind of pushed this out in the front and there's obviously a chance that now that that was uh you know more or less resolved that this could just disappear but i don't think that's going to happen i think i think something will happen or discussion or at least it will be very well discussed i don't think it's just going to fade away. So as far as predictions go, you asked me to do that earlier yeah. and I and I sidestepped it big time. <laughs> um, but when I asked you before the show, you were like, "Okay, yeah, I can do that." Yeah, and then I thought about it and I said, "I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> but I think I don't think it will go away. I hope and that will give me plenty of news to cover in the coming weeks and months as no, well. No, yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't look like it's going away. So, um so I think we'll find out more, but um but I think it's going to be heated. I think if if C2 changes do come along or are proposed, I think developers are going to scream because um, basically right now it's this golden egg in town, right? You, you can do what – you can buy this property and do whatever you want. So property values have reflected right. that. Developers know what this means. Well, yeah, and I think, I think the lesson that we learned from, from Niedermeyer too, a lot of us, was that um, there's a lot of Niedermeyers, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like old, falling apart – to be frank, cheap buildings that the right person could come in, wipe it out, and build something that's 20 stories tall, right? Right. Yeah, there are. there are, And that was one thing that was funny about, uh, again, the after discussions at Intersection. We were talking about uh, the fact that there's really no good historical registry in town for some of these properties on what properties really are. Because, again, we didn't, they didn't really know some of these people at the table who are experts on this stuff don't know, didn't even really know much about Niedermeyer before that happened. You yeah. know? So if there had been a list of all these things, not only for historical purposes but for developers to know, hey, don't mess with Niedermeyer because right. uh, people are going to cry out about it, um, or just, just to kind of keep track of that stuff. But it's part of, that comes back to 
systematic changes because right. the Historic Preservation Commission has basically no teeth at the moment. Right. I mean, even that would be a Band-Aid, right? Like, even if you could prevent buildings from being torn down because they're historic, I'm sure sure there's, you know, you can you can get Brooksides coming up any place you want. Yeah. And if part of the problem is too many Brooksides, if that's how you want to identify the problem, mm-hmm. then historic preservation isn't going to do it alone. You're going to have to fix C2. Yeah, but again, I think that's going to be really difficult to pull off because because of developers downtown who already have a lot invested and a lot of projects in mind, a lot of Niedermeyers in mind. But yeah, it's going to be it, it's going to be a very interesting discussion to say the least. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we explained it? I hope so. I um, feel a lot better. I feel I feel a lot better. I feel like I even said some things I hadn't thought thought about. Hopefully, I thought still well enough about them to make yeah, sense. Yeah, just opened and, your mouth and, and be and... true. But um, <laughs> but no, I, I feel like I feel like we did. But there's there's just so much more to. Um, again, there's 135 pages of what people want in the town and what the city wants, and there's all these reports. There's, there's going to be new pages soon. There are going to be tons of new pages, or change the pages, throw out this one, yeah. bring in a new one. But, you know, again, it comes down to people want this walkable community. They want, they do want to see some big changes, but how do you make those things actually happen um, or encourage them to happen? Okay. All right, I'm going to end it. I'm going to do the thing where I end it. All right. Sounds okay. good. End it. So that's our show for today. Um, I want to tell you that we're on iTunes. Super excited about that. You, when you get on iTunes, you have to kind of like apply, then you have to wait, and then you think they're not going to accept you. So, and when it's they really do, it feels like yeah. validation. Yeah, it feels cool. So we're in the iTunes store. Search for Como Explained. We're very easy to find. Uh, look for us on the website. It's kbia.org. If you have got a comment for us, tweet us at kbia or send an email to news at kbia.org. If you've got an idea, send us your ideas, and maybe we'll answer a question you have about Columbia. Send those to at KBIA on Twitter or news at KBIA.org. All right. So uh, I'm Scott Pham. I'm Ryan Famuliner. All right. Thanks. We'll see you later.